you only go to the hospital if you need the medical surgery or you need the medical infrastructure. So for all consultations in advance or after that medical uh, procedure, I think it's ideal when you get that care outside the hospital, preferably at home or in a different clinical setting. You're listening to Building the Future, a podcast by Cadence Science Partner. And my name is Rudy van Beurden. In this podcast, I meet innovators, trailblazers, and bright minds who are busy building the future. The hospital of the future will be your own living room. If you listened to the previous episode of this Building the Future podcast, you know that in each episode we have a conversation with experts based on a provocative statement. This time we focus on healthcare in the future. Various companies and organizations are working on smart solutions where patients no longer necessarily have to go to the hospital for medical care. Will the hospital soon be a thing of the past and can we just stay at home? We'll talk about this topic at an inspiring location, the Noviotech campus in Nijmegen. Yes, well, here we are at the very table. With me are Vander van Heerde, CSO, Chief Scientific Officer and Co-Founder of Enzyre. We've got Wanne Wieringsga, Lead Business Developer at NL MoveUp. And as well, right next to me, Koen van den Hurk, Innovation Manager with Health Valley for some four years now, if I'm correct. Good day to all of you. Thank you. Yes, here we are in this uh, pop-up podcast studio at the Noviotech campus. And um, the statement we will be dealing with is the hospital of the future will be your own living room. And first, I would like to check whether you do agree or you disagree. Let's start off with Wanne. What do you think? I agree. You we do. are a healthcare provider and very much convinced that a lot of care can take place remotely in your own living room. Fair enough. And then Kuhn, do you agree or do you disagree with the statement? I, I definitely agree with the statement that, um, but to a certain, certain extent. All right. And Wander, last but not least. Uh, it's a very lovely idea, but I disagree because we are not that far yet. It will take some time. It takes more time because we need tools to do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, we will get to know all of you a little bit better and obviously what you're doing as well. But let's start off with Wanne. You did say something already about providing care from a distance. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What's MoveUp providing? Yes, MoveUp uh, provides digital therapy to improve um, safe recovery and rehabilitation, especially after an orthopedic surgery or bariatric surgery. And um, we see that providing that care remotely has a huge benefit um, to give patients the right information at the right time. So you can um, supervise patients daily, 24-7, which is very, very costly in a hospital. So we've already have a great experience in Belgium where 2000 patients have been followed up uh, by MoveUp. 
And their patients uh, report that they very much like it because now they don't have to wait a couple of weeks for their consultation, but have daily contact with a remote specialist team. And so they feel not alone any longer during rehabilitation. So they feel very safe, they feel monitored, and if they do have questions, they get an answer uh, 24-7. So I think that patient um, satisfaction is crucial. Mm-hmm. And um, then, of course, we also have an increased um, involvement of specialists, uh, which is uh, a very good benefit as well. And I um, on purpose put it in this order that at last, or at least, we have also then decreased healthcare cost. Mm-hmm. But without patient satisfaction, people won't opt for the option to, mm-hmm. take, uh, to, to choose remote care. And I think we have a great example that um, that it is possible to deliver higher quality of care in your own living room. So, well, there you go. For these 2,000 people in Belgium, you actually took away the hospital already. You you let them recover at home. Now you're trying to do the same in the Netherlands, obviously, to uh, come up with your program here as well. But Wanda, you're in a totally different field of, uh, of health. It's not having to do with orthopedic see a surgeon but something entirely different and maybe then it's not possible to stay at home no i think it's in, in principle a very very elegant way to 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 get patients uh, to be adhered to the patients that's uh, definitely true but for many diseases it's not only just uh, a phone call or a face time discussion it needs more for example you need some tools to to measure your health status or by measuring parameters in your blood etc etc and at that stage we are not there yet there is one perhaps a few examples diabetes for example is a very nice example but in the field where i'm working in coagulation we don't have those tools really available for patients and uh, if we do have those tools the doctors are not adapted it did not adapt it yet so that's the next stage which we have to follow up remember if a patient I'm dealing with patient with hemophilia care and if they have a problem they call the doctor they call the, uh, the hemophilia treatment center then they are advised what to do and in main most cases they are uh, if, uh, they are asked to, to, to inject their factor eight again for example, but they don't measure anything. And that might be a risk because if you overdose, it's, of course, it might be a risk for thrombosis. On the other hand, it's costly. And to avoid that, it's better to monitor your treatment instead of just doing something empirically. And that's the idea. And I think we are not that far yet to do that. For example, if a patient now have to, to, to have a problem, an acute phase, then mm-hmm. he has to go to the hospital, which is not very uh, he's not very enthusiastic to do that because and uh, yeah he has a lot of problems with his uh, yeah, knees etc so it takes a lot of time to go to the hospital to measure their factor eight or that parameter go back to the doctor etc mm-hmm. of course fantastic if we can do that in the future but that's the, the disclaimer i have that we don't have the proper and uh, we call it person like diagnostic tools yeah, so it takes some extra years, but maybe um, Kun, you can help from Health Valley because you're a matchmaker in in a, it's like a networking program, isn't it? Or how how do you call yourself an organization that matches various health organizations with each other? Yeah, we call ourselves a, a network organization, and what we do is we uh, match and connect over 200 partners in in healthcare innovation. So that's education, 
um, but also hospitals, uh, other care organizations and entrepreneurs um, who are all willing to uh, innovate in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And regarding the statement, you said you do agree, but up until a certain height, what yeah. is the limit? Well, I still I think that that a lot of um, that the shift is already happening. So there's a lot of care already um, dis distributed to the homes of people. But I do think that certain um, surgical procedures, for instance, you still need a hospital-like setting um, to do those. Mm -hmm. And with that, there come a, come a lot of other different um, treatments that that can't be done at home mm -hmm. yet. And I I doubt if that will ever be possible to do that. So maybe this will be a relevant question to all of you, actually, and feel free to interact with each other. But what is the hospital actually for? What is the actual relevance of a certain hospital? What do you think, Kun? Well, at the moment, I think it's it's a clustering of of all the the different um, ways to to treat and to to make people healthier. And I think that there's also the the shift that is that's happening is that we're looking into keeping people healthier um, before they even have to go to the hospital. And mm. I think that there's a lot of, um, well, it's, there's a lot of opportunity there to, um, to make the hospital a bit less important for people um, and, and bring, bring that setting to home. Fair enough. Others? Other? My vision um, of, of the future hospital mm. is that You only go to the hospital if you need the medical uh, surgery or you need the medical infrastructure. Um, so if so for all consultation, uh, consultations in advance or after that me medical uh, procedure, I think it's ideal when uh, you get that care outside the hospital, preferably at home or in a different uh, clinical setting. Um, and so the hospital can get smaller and much actually more efficient and then uh, specialists get only to see the patients who really need their attention and that other uh, healthcare uh, will be delivered or remotely or outside the hospital mm -hmm. um, and again i think that is crucial the monitoring i find very interesting van der just mentioned earlier that that continuous mon monitoring it's actually not possible in the hospital unless you stay in the hospital hospital and nobody wants to stay in the hospital longer than needed so to really monitor uh, patients outside the hospital if we can provide that that's really in a benefit to you to me to the listener that you get that monitoring outside the hospital as quick as possible so at the moment you can get discharge let's discharge but make that possible with with a very continuous flow so everybody feels safe also the surgeon Uh, feel safe, but especially the patient, that they know, okay, I'll, I'll be monitored uh, continuously, but at home or in a different setting. But that, yeah. that is already happening, actually. For instance, in the South, mm -hmm. um, with, with COVID patients, actually, they send people home with a saturation monitor and oxygen and with the right care and the right pathway to, towards home, um, people are already monitored at home. But it's, it's a small step, I agree, and there are a lot of different um, different patients already that are wanting to um, have that care at home, but they can't have it yet. And where is this happening in the south of the Netherlands? The Netherlands. Okay, in the south of the Netherlands already. Yeah. 
And Kuna, it is happening uh, luckily already, so I think it's a very good first step. And uh, with COVID patients and with many patients, we see that people get discharged much earlier um, with many different, uh, many diff- after many different surgeries. Um, but we can extend that much more, and I hope a bit quicker than we've done the last uh, five to ten years. So this is a very good start uh, we've made. But let's continue this way. And that's also a question I've got, uh, well, to you, but also to our listener, um, is what is, is it holding you back um, to get more care outside the hospital? And if so, what is holding us back? Because mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of technology. Um, yeah, and, and per- perhaps uh, first uh, give an answer to your question, because uh, to come back to that, um, of course, fantastic to do that. But I, th- I do see two, two, two groups in the hospital. Um, we have the chronic patients or we have the acute patients. And that's more or less an, another definition. So you, you sometimes you need specialized care. You need the infrastructure of the hospital. You already mentioned. So that's completely true. But remember, I think when you look to all the, the outpatient clinics in our hospital, I think more than 50% is chronic diseases. And that should be avoided. And that's one part. Giving you an answer about uh, continuous monitoring. Yeah, I fully agree. That's where we are working on, to to have tools that you can perform uh, uh, continuous monitoring on a daily basis, even that they don't have to go, because patients don't want to go for long-time monitoring. Also in my field, hemophilia, when we do a pharmacokinetic analysis, they have to be there for three days. They have to be there, and that's very costly. It, it's much more convenient if you can do that at home, for example. And come, finally, going to the COVID story, fantastic, of course, to, uh, to have them the, the oxygen saturation uh, tools. But I would have had a coagulation tool because coagulation is the most problem, one of the problems in COVID patients, and we don't have that. To do it at home, you mean? Yeah, the, because if you, can, to go to the if you can see, let's say, the in- increased uh, risk of uh, developing thrombosis, that would definitely help a lot because that is probably the most important reason that they are hospitalized in combination, of course, with uh, the, the oxygen uh, saturation. Mm-hmm. So what do you see happening over the upcoming years, Waander, with your experience from working in the Radboud Hospital as well? and? and what the hospital should be for? When I'm looking to the Radboud UMC, the idea is that it will be smaller compared to what it is now. And because, and that's one thing, when I look again, coming back to the chronic uh, patients, it's very costly to, to see them in that specialized hospital because and this is a university hospital which gives specialized care and the square meter price is tremendously high so if you want to have a lower price and better care to my opinion that's my feeling you probably can better have uh, let's say uh, disease-driven care institutes so really related to a specific disease where you can get the specialized care you need and that is not only to related take again that uh, hemophilia patient to the hematologist but also physiotherapy uh, that you need an orthopedic, etc. All these kind of disciplines all together focusing on one um, disease. So it is a kind of yeah um, um, care center. Mm-hmm. Various not herbs. on that location in a very uh, on the, which is very expensive, but in another location close to the hospital. Mm-hmm. A kind of hub or or something like that. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I think that that's possible, but it's, and it, but it's also related to the amount of times that people have to get, go there. You can make a specialized hub, maybe even one or two in the Netherlands, if you only have to go there once a year, for instance. I mean, somebody that needs a new hip, for instance, wants the best specialized orthopedic surgeon to place that hip, and they are willing to travel for that. But during rehabilitation, coming back there every week, that's that's the problem then. So I think that that's no, I, th- I, 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 I agree with you because the hub is just an intermediate situation. Perhaps you can think about home as the hub in the future. But then you need what I already mentioned: all the personalized care you can give. Say that once again, Wander. You can't be the home. What was the sentence? No, the, the, my suggestion is now I'm talking about a hub, so that you have a different hub. But ideally. It goes to the, hosp- the to the home situation. Excellent. But yes. It's too, <laughs> it's too early. That's what we'll I wanted to hear. Yeah, yes. That's music to your ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But Am I again, listen. You need the tools for that. Yeah. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm not visiting hospitals regularly, locally. But I can be a possible patient. And we've talked about this earlier on as well. That everyone, in fact, actually everyone who's listening could be a future patient. Um, And what you mentioned earlier, Juana, was saying what makes you go to the hospital, or in other words, what could benefit you from staying home and what would be the hurdles in doing so. What are things that you found maybe in a study in Belgium or from personal experience that, that people really don't like going to the hospital or rather stay at home? Yes. So what I hear uh, very often from patients is um, that they uh, like like it that they don't have to drive to the hospital. And in our situation, it's also very often to physiotherapy center. So it's not always hospital. But um, So um, they can actually do the therapy in their own time, in their own comfort, um, and avoid driving, avoid parking cost. Um, so they stay with their family, they stay with their partner. Um, that's what they very much like. And that's a bit of the younger generation. And we're not talking very young generation if we talk about orthopedic surgery um, the average age is about 65 but let's say between 50, 55 and uh, 70 they very much like to be in control of their own time and uh, secondly also um, that uh, they very much feel that what I said earlier they don't feel alone and that is actually for the f- what I hear very often from the full population of uh, patients mm-hmm. um, so And I think that's for all of us. If we do something new, um, people are a bit of nervous and uh, excited, but also like, okay, is this going to be uh, to be good? And then by surprise, actually, they feel like, okay, uh, normally I would tell my partner or my children, oh, it hurts, I'm disappointed. And now they tell it to a specialist uh, from whom they get uh, an answer within 24 hours. And that makes them like, okay, this, this is part of, of the recovery. Um, it is fine to feel disappointed, but we're still on track. Um, so I think that's a huge benefit. And mm-hmm. the patient is not very much aware of it, but maybe that's also an interesting uh, topic, I think, for you as well, Wander, is um, we get a lot of data when you uh, treat patient remotely. And that gives actually then also uh, surgeons but uh, um, the possibility to make better ex- uh, to make better predictions about, in our case, how long the recovery will be. And after 
uh, for example, a new hip or a new uh, knee, everybody would like to know, when can I walk again? That's the number one question. Definitely. Or when can I drive again? And if surgeons do the wrong prediction, if people feel disappointed, although the surgery was perfect, but they thought, I can walk again after three weeks, or, and then it, it's, oh, it takes much longer. Mm-hmm. And so with getting all that data, you can give the right predictions. And if, if there is a setback, you can uh, very uh, well adjust the prediction uh, or the expectation. It's all managing expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and also adjust the care plan. So giving the right activity um, or right medication and um, prevent worsening or even readmissions. Yeah, and patient satisfaction, that's really the main driver. That's the one thing you're mentioning. Number from one. Move up. Number one, yeah, really that could be one. the reason why the hospitals of the future will be in your living room. Cost is also one aspect that you've been mentioning. Yeah, I wanted Rwanda. to mention that too, because yeah. it's an, also an important item. Definitely. It's definitely, of course, it's um, uh, to give uh, uh, more care to patients if you have monitoring at home, etc. But it's also cost-driven, especially when you are talking about, for my case, hemophilia, a very expensive treatment uh, and uh, improvement in, in care uh, or in the treatment plans, etc. is beneficial in that respect. So definitely, if we have more possibilities in that respect, it helps a lot. Yeah, so the new technologies or the new combination of systems what you, how you treat patients at home or in accommodation in a hub or in a hospital should be actually also be cost effective. Yeah, and uh, the hub is uh, not a nice example for the Netherlands. The Netherlands is too small for yeah, that, but well, for other countries it's more uh, convenient to have the hubs because yeah. then it can be that there is specialized care center is 200 miles away. So that's a different story compared to the Netherlands. Yeah. If we are 200 miles away, we are out of the Netherlands. Yeah. And to bring it into perspective, maybe you want to share the amount for a patient of hemophilia because... Yeah, the costs for an, uh, to treat an hemophilic on a prophylactic base, that means that you are to avoid bleeding complications, so you treat them before that, it costs about around 250 to 300,000 euros each year. Each and year. remember, it's congenital, so you start early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so big numbers. Yeah. Big numbers, yeah. Kuhn, what are you thinking? from this conversation? Is the hospital moving towards our living room? Is this something we actually want? Is this a good? I think I think a lot of to do with with behavioral change. I th- there are two main drivers I think that that will enable this this whole change. It's on the one hand you have the enabling technologies like the well the censoring or, or AI or even 5G that's mentioning to to facilitate continuous monitoring. Um, but on the other hand, I think also the behavior change of patients or people as in in a whole and and the um, medical professional is an important one. People need to be um, willing to take their own health in charge and, and be able to keep monitoring on their own health um, to make this happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that, for instance, the product like MoveUp does give people the, the, the potential to, to take charge. And I'm really curious also to, to hear what, what does that mean for these people? Do they also feel in charge and, and what, how does that affect their uh, treatment? But I think... Um, that could have a really positive effect also on, on that whole rehabilitation roadmap. And with that, bring the opportunity to bring a lot of care to the home. And how do you regard it, the hospitals and the patients as well? How is their 
mental flexibility actually regarding behavioral change because this is a whole new aspect i think a very valid one as well but whenever you want to change something within hospitals or even with medical specialists they can be a little bit pride being involved or maybe ethical issues as well it's hard to change or am i wrong if the change, change is always scary that's mm -hmm. uh, that's that's the main thing i guess but um i i do know a lot of i had some some workshops in the past also with patients where um i would like if i want to know from a gp if if i'm if my ankle hurts and if i have to do something about that i will if it's not too bad i will send them an, a chat message or, a, or an email and if I have an answer in two days, if it doesn't worsen, then I'm fine. But a lot of people still want to see their own GP, um, preferably maybe at home. And, and that's something that's really difficult to, to see that changing. And that's something that you really slowly have to help also people. So make it easy to make those little steps um, to, to take charge of your own. Yeah, there's like a bigger plan taking generations to change actually, because the younger you are, the more comfortable you are with yeah. chatting or yeah 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 i have two comments on that because uh, let's let's see and there are uh, two main drivers to my opinion first of all the patient by themselves of course they should be willing to do it but i think there is not a big problem in the patient because patients are what one was already saying they are interested to be monitored more frequently etc and um, um Having said that, I think the other is, of course, the, the physician or the specialist. Are they willing to do it? Because to my opinion, they're rather conservative, first of all, and they don't want to be seen as a general practitioner. And uh, to my opinion, that should also change. Because if you, are, if you give a little bit more care, for example, when you are a hematologist, you can say something about your blood pressure or your cholesterol levels or something like that. So why should we go to another doctor for that? Aspect, and that's what I—that's what I do miss. I miss that still a little bit, and also to adapt that you are uh, in charge for that patient 24 hours, seven days. It, it, to my opinion, it's not yet uh, accepted by the uh, physicians at all for mm -hmm. the moment. Is it maybe in in other countries different compared to the Netherlands? Or is it similar? No, I think we we getting more specialists instead of generalists. Let's say that way, which makes it that they are only focusing on their own, let's say, specialty mm. instead of a general view. In the past, it was more open. The the, the, the specialists were more generalists. They did all kinds of jobs together, but now it's changed, and that might also be the different way around. And finally, going back to the patient, because to my opinion, patients are in the lead in my respect, there should be a benefit for the patient. If there is no benefit for the patient, like for example, all the registries for all kinds of things, if there is no benefit for the patient, the, the patient will not adapt to that system. Mm. But if there is a benefit, surely they will immediately accept this, this change in uh, yeah, uh, treatment decisions, etc. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm just picturing myself in my own living room, and then whatever what happens, maybe a minor thing, and I just want to chat with someone. Maybe it can be, can be automated or being at artificial intelligence. I could be fine with that, you know, when there will be a suitable answer for me. But then with other things, like I'm in the beginning of my 30s, and around me is this real baby boom happening with all my friends and relatives, and some of them really want to stay at home, picture themselves in this very romantic situation, and even even though I can understand that the rational part of my brain is thinking, why just go to the hospital, you know, where you have the infrastructure, where you have all the specialists. So how could we come up with the, the division on what things we still should go to, to hospitals and what other stuff can be done simply at home? Is there an easy division or is this a very hard thing to do? In, in yeah, I, I gave already my idea about mm. chronic disease compared to specialized uh, oh, yeah. care, etc. So that's that's a different story, but that is my opinion. That's one way to, to view various it's, I think a v- an excellent way to do it because it's manageable, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree very much. So um, for the acute, acute patients, you need the infrastructure at the hospital. And then uh, for rehabilitation, for recovery, uh, but also for uh, chronic patients, you can do a lot remotely in the living room. Yes. And um, so as I think we also agree that that patient satisfaction is number one. But your uh, Wander, a bit earlier, you said a surgeon. Um, It's crucial to have the surgeons on board as well as they will um, be the ambassador. Uh, and actually also advise uh, patients. And I think that's also a good thing that patients very much respect uh, their surgeon. Um, So the benefits for surgeons must be clear as well. Um, And I think also that surgeons are very happy when their patients are satisfied, uh, but also with uh, that they, the uh, distance between a, Uh, a medical surgery and a rehabilitation and recovery that we can make that smaller that they feel actually involved that is also i think uh, uh, tremendously helpful for surgeons Um, and also then improving quality of care that's one of the things that um, our dutch uh, surgeon told me that he sees actually that we can deliver or he he delivers better quality um, as the distance is becomes much smaller and, uh, and that's what I was saying about care yeah, centers or something exactly. like that, uh, yes. related to one disease, which contains all the specialists in, involved in that disease. And I always take that example in the Radboud University Medical Center that you have to walk from one uh, department to the other department, which can be two, uh, two kilometers away, which is for patients who are, uh, who are disabled, it's not very handy, for yes. example, as an example. And uh, so there are several, and that is due to the specialization we have nowadays, but perhaps it's not always necessary for specific diseases. To go to the hospital. But yeah. it's also, it, I think it's also based on scale. So the, the amount of patients that you can help in such a specialized center if you make it a hub in a certain region, for instance. If we already have a, a shortage of, of people in healthcare, working in healthcare, delivering the right care, um, and, and if you are cutting that up into smaller pieces, then you still have to be able to deliver the right care to the right amount of people. Otherwise, you need even more people to provide that care. I disagree with that. I've seen it already in the, in the United States, those, those hubs or let's say this, those uh, hemophilia treatment centers stand alone, independent of the hospital. It works fantastically. 
as long as you have a proper population taken care for, then it's a different story. Of course, when it are very small groups, uh, then it is probably not uh, interesting. But if it are larger groups of patients, then it's probably more interesting. But ideally, let's go to the uh, home situation, definitely. Yeah, so if you're, if you're, but then still it's for a certain specific patients, it could be possible because there's, there's a bit, a large group of them being uh, helped with such a hub. But um, for, for multiple diseases, I think that it's still really difficult. Even co comorbidities, it could be really difficult to, that you still need different specialized centers. And then it's even easier to have that all in the same hospital. Yeah, we disagree. <laughs> Let's say it that way. All right, maybe in the remaining time we still have, because the topic is very complex and there's so much uh, involved with it. What are all of you personally or professionally focusing on in the upcoming years? And maybe the listener or people who are viewing this on YouTube um, could be able to help you in one way or another. Is there something that you can share from your organizations that you work on and that you need help for? Yes, so uh, MoveUp is doing uh, is providing a lot of care in Belgium already. So it's my responsibility to introduce uh, the therapies here in the Netherlands. Uh, we work already with Amphia Hospital uh, in Breda, and um, so the healthcare is reimbursed by uh, CZ already. So um, I'm of course uh, excited to get other hospitals on board as well so uh, surgeons uh, patients and um, uh, insurance companies um, and i hope that in a few a uh, few months i can actually publish about the results or we publish or report or do let's do another podcast about uh, that we probably we will get uh, to see the same positive effects here in the netherlands as in belgium um, I'm very happy to hear as well, also from you, but from our listeners, um, whether they are also enthusiastic to get more and more care. And move up, move up is just an example after an orthopedic or bariatric surgery, but mm -hmm. of course we can do this in many more fields. Um, to get more care at home um, and that you feel uh, more safe and personalized. So that's, that's on my agenda. Yeah. So I uh, hope we uh, can introduce it in the Netherlands a bit quicker than we have done over the last five years. But I think we've done a great job already so far. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's now um, really get it into speed. Well, the energy is there, so to see and so to hear. Wander, what are you working on? Yeah, listen, I was heading a thrombosis hemostasis lab, a specialized lab for more than 17 years. And I've seen the struggle of the patients uh, coming to the hospital to draw blood and to do the analysis. And in the, or since we have had proof of principle for new technology, um, I started Enzyre, which is for enzy enzymatic reactions, the abbreviation. And the idea of Enzyre is to bring the lab to the patient at home so that they can measure at home. Simple like a diabetes is a diabetes patient is doing just measuring their glucose but in this case uh, with coagulation assays which are a little bit more tricky compared to glucose measurements and not only to measure one parameter but multiple parameters in just a single drop of blood that's where we are aiming for as Ensire and we are developing that these tools they should be uh, 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 portable 
easy to handle and the patient needs to, to uh, we would love that the patient take them with them mm-hmm. when they are all traveling on the go or something like that. So that in all cases they can measure their status. And how often should they do this? Depends on the disease status of that patient. But remember, patients, are, it's a safety question most in most cases. Mm-hmm. When they have a traumatic or they have a bleed or when there has, something has happened, they wanted to know their level. Where, are, where am I? And they are now trained to inject immediately their, their drug. But it would be much easier to just to measure their, their level instead of just injecting themselves. Yeah, yeah. So that helps. So it's a, it's... In most cases, a safety thing, but on the other hand, it also saves a lot of money if you know, if you can do a personalized uh, treatment plan, if you can give a personalized treatment plan. That's where Enzyre is working for. Mm-hmm. And what is your horizon, your scope? Oh, the the scope is we are now developing the, the hardware, so the tools, and mm-hmm. uh, we hope that we can do the first clinical trials at the end of this year, beginning of next year, and then a multi-center trial in the, at the end of 2022 or 23, something oh, like excellent. that. Oh, yeah, excellent. Within so a few years already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have the assays for hemophilia already available, and so we can measure in just a few drops of blood, and, and that's, remember, we are measuring in less than one microliter, for, perhaps not for everybody uh, really, uh, uh, everybody's aware of what the mi- one microliter is, but remember that is approximately at least 1,000 times less compared to the standard hospital, as an indication. Tiny, tiny amount yeah. of blood, yeah. And then Kuhn from Health Valley, yeah, we always strive to, um, well, stimulate innovation in healthcare. First of all, via matchmaking. I'm hoping that we can do some really cool networking events live again uh, to get people together and, and introduce them to each other. Um, I could imagine that after this uh, podcast, Van uh, and I will have a chat of what Health Valley could do for MoveUp, but um, always on the lookout for innovative healthcare organizations or businesses that we can um, can support. Yeah. Well, right now we have been quite innovative, Kuhn, bringing you, your voice and vision as well from Wanne and Wander through the ether free uh, podcasting. Because obviously you, you did about 30 physical events, I guess, with Health Valley normally. A year, yeah. And now when the, when the world starts opening up, maybe there could be a blend of different content holders, definitely. Um, we, we all of us here have been uh, spoken about the hospital of the future will be your own living room. For me, it's still a little bit, yeah, it's out there. And I love the idea that you can be helped while you're at home in the safety of your home. But I also, a part of me, like if you want to feel secure and safe for those very acute situations, you really want to go to the hospital and then please not having to walk for two kilometers before you find the right specialist and having to pay for your parking five euros an hour which is a pain in the ass as well for visitors um yeah maybe some final thoughts or 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 giveaways before we wrap it up if people want to know more about move up wanna where do they go Yes, I want to say maybe um, because I hear that uh, in some situations you're still hesitant. And I think that's a very healthy mind to have. Uh, I think you should. Um, 
but I would like to turn it around that in so many situations, um, it can give you uh, benefits. So I would then invite you to experience it yourself. Mm. So really experience it and see what it um, what it means to you, what it can do to you. And then you will experience the advantages. And I think that's the best way to, to make that change happen. So go for it. Uh, when you get the option, it's not in all uh, areas possible yet, unfortunately. But in the areas where it is possible, do experience it. And uh, I invite you and Wander and Kuhn, but of course, uh, everybody who's listening. So if you get the option um, and see what it, uh, what it brings to you. Yeah. Well, the sales pitch is there already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moveup.care. Well, I, th- I do think that, that we all want the same. It sometimes feels like, like entrepreneurs and hospitals are opposite of each other because they have different, different goals. But I think that eventually, like you mentioned, patient satisfaction is for everybody the main goal. Mm. And, and, but to, to emphasize, I, want, I would like to emphasize on that, that I think that we're all on the same side. Um, just have to know how we can um, bring that to yeah. the... Yeah, I think the COVID uh, pandemic has really shown that diagnostics or let's say uh, care, monitoring care is very important. And let's take this the adventure, the, this possibility at this stage that we put more in, in innovation in these kind of tools because that, that drives a lot. And uh, over here at the Novio Tech Campus, we are combining that with technology and uh, let's say healthcare systems. But um, the Netherlands is so innovative in that respect. So mm-hmm. let's... Uh, put all uh, efforts together and ask the government to put more energy in that, I think that's a very important step forward. And probably more money as well. That is that unfortunately always necessary for that. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. Well, this is it. It's a wrap. Wander, Wanne and Koen, thank you so much for joining me here at this very table. You, dear listener, have been listening to Building the Future, a podcast by Kadan Science Partner. And thanks to our guests, Waander van Heerde from Enzoyer, Wanne Wierings, Wieringsga, oh, it's, I, I stumble upon it, Wanne Wieringsga from NL MoveUp, and Koen van Enhurk from Health Valley. This episode was recorded in a building from Cadans Science Partner at the Novio Tech Campus in Nijmegen, the hotspot for health and high tech. Thank you. Great pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> If you want to find out more about this podcast or our guest, go to cadans.com slash podcast. Here you'll also learn more about Cadans Science Partner and how it connects innovative organizations and ecosystems throughout Europe, helping them to work on sustainable solutions for the future. And do not forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite app so you won't miss our upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening and my name is Rudy van Beurden.